Episode 32. We are just plowing through these episodes, and this next one is phenomenal. Had a phenomenal, phenomenal time here with the current UFC light heavyweight champion of the world, Daniel DC Cormier. Really appreciate DC coming on, uh, shedding some light into his really his whole life. I mean, his whole career from from early age of 10, 11 years old when he first started wrestling, all the way through college and uh, Olympics to Strike Force to the UFC, which is where he currently uh, again is holding the uh, strap at 205. And uh, we talk about a bunch of different topics along the way, kind of how to where he how he got to where he is right now. Uh, people that have been influential and important in his life from his management and his family and some of the things he's doing outside of the octagon and uh, he's just a busy man he's been a an ambassador of the sport of mixed martial arts for a long time and I was honored to have on Daniel Cormier so without further ado please sit back relax and welcome the one and only DC the optimal life all right, man. Welcome to the show. I really appreciate you uh, coming on and spending some time with us in between uh, workouts and camp. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely, man. So I assume that uh, uh, this is probably one of your more enjoyable camps in a long time based upon just the nutrition aspect alone, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's much better. Not uh, worrying about the nutrition and the diet. It's a good time. Absol- absolutely. And... Uh, I wanted to bring you on, man. I don't know if uh, if Dwayne told you much about the podcast, but I recently launched this podcast. It's centered around, um, you know, optimal living, business, health, wellness, fitness, sports, uh, inspirational conversations with extraordinary people. And uh, I'm a big MMA fan. I've been a fan of yours for a long time, and uh, wanted to just get your story out, share your, you know, ask some questions about you, and hear hear a little bit about your professional journey. Um, where you started, how you got there, and ultimately, you know, we'll finish it up with some steep A talk and, and what what the future holds. So okay. take us take us back, man. Take us back, if you would, to uh, the early days. When? How long have you start? When, what age were you when you started the whole wrestling gig? I started wrestling at around ten or eleven years old. Um, I lived right across the street from the high school. They had wrestling. You know, we were big into the WWF at the time and. Uh, when the coach told us to come out to wrestle, we thought we were going to do some some WWF, but uh, <laughs> the very first day we walked in there, they were doing parterre, top and bottom, and uh, when you go on the bottom, everybody's like, what? This is no wrestling, so the vast majority of the kids from the neighborhood quit, but I kind of stuck with it, you know, and I wasn't very good at it, um, yeah. I, but I enjoyed it, you know, I enjoyed being able to be rough and be, you know, tussle around with other kids, it was, uh, it was a good time. So you were you were only 10, 11 years old, and uh, you loved it. Most of them dropped. They were they were looking for like the top ropes and, and the uniforms, like the WWF stuff. And yeah. uh, and you realize now this is this is a little bit different. Um, so so from there, I mean, did you notice at at a early point, like in your early teen years, that you were special, that you were better than these other kids, or or was it just you loved it? A lot of hard work at that point. It happened between my freshman and sophomore year. I started doing um, freestyle wrestling. And it was when I started wrestling the summer for the very first time. I went out of state, wrestled in North Carolina, and thought, wow, man, I'm, I'm placing at these tournaments, and I'm placing here, and everybody else from Louisiana is getting beat. Why can't I you know, be one of the best kids in the state? So uh, my fresh.
freshman year, I was a kid that didn't even go to the state tournament. But all the lessons I learned in freestyle, uh, my sophomore year, I ended up being a state champion. So that's amazing, um, man. That's amazing. Just the uh, the traveling out of the state of the state, seeing different level of wrestling, gave me a lot of confidence. No and doubt. I applied that to my high school and and uh, um, became a state champion. And then my sophomore year, I uh, after I was a state champion, I continued to do the traveling. And uh, I ended up making a cadet world team. Went to Budapest, Hungary, wrestled in the world championships, and got third. And from then on, it was always just, you know, that was it, huh? You were you were hooked. Yeah, it was, you were hooked. Yeah. It was always just big time competitions, uh, national tournaments, international tournaments, and it was just let's let's see where this takes me. That's beautiful, man. What what's uh, how big were you back in high school? My freshman year, I was like one forty-five. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then my sophomore year, I was like 185. So I don't know. I gained like 40 pounds over the summer. I just got like I just became like this really big kid. But my freshman year, I was the 145 pounder on the, the team. And you were the I one. I said my freshman year, I was 145. Mm-hmm. I was a starter. But then my sophomore year, I won the state title. My first one at 172 pounds. And then wow. my last two, I won at 189 pounds. But I weighed like two 205. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. And I bet you, man, you've you've had so many different really amazing moments, obviously, over the past, whatever, 20-plus years in your career. But I, I imagine some of those early high school days are probably some, some of your fondest memories, I would imagine. Oh, oh yeah. You know, you, you never forget um, achieving success at the, for the very first time, you know, and especially for a kid like me who didn't have that as a, as, as a boy, you know, from, from 10 until – 14 i was never a state champion i was never considered the best kid i was always second third fourth state the youth state tournament you know so right uh the first time you you achieve that level of success you never forget it yeah i I, I, I mean my mom still has my mom still has that world championship medal from when i was 16 years old yeah yeah it's uh you never forget those <laughs> The glory days. The glory days, yeah. I hear you. So you ended up uh you're doing well obviously and, and you ended up going off to you went to a community college before OK State, right? Yes, I did. I went to uh I went to Kansas. I went to Colby in Kansas. Um then uh, I went to Oklahoma State from there. So Oklahoma State, um you're doing well. Talk about real quick for people that don't realize what the commitment like is at, at one of the premier programs in the country, uh, college wrestling. What is that commitment like in college, like a college life? You don't live like a, a normal college student by any means. No, you don't. You know, when you're at a, when you're at a place like Oklahoma State, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're training, you're training as hard as any other college kid in the country, but you're also uh, having to do school, and there's expectation that most kids don't really deal with so uh, it's a lot you know but i think people the kids that get to go there understand that whenever they understand that whenever they they sign with oklahoma state you know so um it's tough but (laughs) i enjoy i enjoyed it it's just it's just balancing the schoolwork and the commitment to wrestling it's probably the most difficult. Yeah, thing. and trying to stay away from all the distractions. You know, your friends and people that you're meeting, you see them getting plastered at you know, all days of the week, going to the bars, <laughs> right? You, you have all that, those temptations. Plus, you got to watch what you eat, which is tough yeah, in know, college. But, but again, you 
know, we it's not like we didn't enjoy our college days. You nah. know, we just didn't get to do it year round. Right, right, right. You know, so we got to hang out. We got to do all that stuff after the NCAA tournament. But then, um, uh, you know, it was the kids that wrestled in the summer were, were the ones that the season went a little bit long. Yeah, yeah. You had to just buckle down for a certain period of time. Yes. Um, so when did you know that you were going to, did you, at what, what point do you know that you want to go to the Olympics? When does that happen? Well, it's right after college. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you make a decision to try to get on the uh, international ladder. You go to the U.S. national tournament and you start trying to make national teams and, and, and world teams. You know, like, uh, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I still have a year of school, uh, school left. So I knew I was going to stay in Stillwater for at least another year. So... I was like, man, I may as well be wrestling. So right. I went and started wrestling. And I, I mean, I, I love wrestling, man. You know, I love wrestling. I've always enjoyed wrestling. Um, I, I wasn't ready to be done. So I went to the U.S. National Tournament. And my first year, I was like seventh. I was like, I got beat like three times in one weekend. And uh, and then um, I, just, I just kept trying. You know, I kept trying and made a decision to learn. And learned a different style of wrestling. Uh, and when I did that, I uh, then I made the national team about three months later. I was third on the U.S. national team. And then that's when I realized, oh, man, I, I need to be doing this seriously. And then uh, once I did that, the second year I was third again on the national team. But I started to beat some of the number. I beat the number one ranked guy that year. And, and then... Um, by 2003, I was I was I won the U.S. national tournament, wow. made the world team. When what were you about? What twenty? What twenty three, twenty four years old at that time? Yeah, my first national team was my first world team was in 2003, so I was 24. Yeah, because the yeah. first Olympics was 25 years old, and my second Olympics I was 29. Oh, that's incredible! So you go off, you have this success in college. You've been having success since you were, like you said, freshman, sophomore year, really. Uh, a high school, you go off, you play, you, you're one of the best wrestlers in the country in college at one of the top, if not the top program, and then you go off to the Olympics, have all that success. So after that, I, I mean, you're trying to figure out probably, okay, what am I doing next? How do you, how do you, you know, even go after the strike force thing? And, and when did you realize I want to start getting into some more MMA? So when I graduated college in 2001, Dwayne Zinkin, my manager, called me and he said, we've got this sport. And he goes, dude, he goes, I, I think, Daniel, you're perfect for it. And I talked to D because D's, a, D's an All-American himself, Fresno State. And I said, I said, D, I said, I, I said, you know, I'm interested, but I want to try to be an Olympian. You know, we're wrestlers. I want to try to pursue this before I start fighting. Because at the time... Fighting wasn't nearly as established as it is today. So it was almost like taking a chance. Well, he said, okay, just whenever you're done and you're ready, give me a call. Wow. 2009, I gave him a call. He flew me out to San Jose. Not only did he <laughs> fly me out to San Jose, he flew me to San Jose, flew me to Colorado, and then flew me to Southern California to meet other managers to make sure that I knew that the management firm that him and Bob ran was the best in the business. And uh, on their dime, they flew me all over seeing other people. And I realized that, you know, these are the guys I need to be with. They uh, put me at the American Kickboxing Academy and 
and, and that was it. That's amazing. So he saw that in you in 2001. It took you eight years later to, to say, okay, I'm ready. Yeah, right away. I remember calling, calling D. Uh, yeah. I was with my cousin Craig, who was living at the time. He was playing basketball at Stillwater High School. And uh, <laughs> on my nephew, Jamel. And uh, I went in the bathroom and called, I called Josh Koscheck and asked him to win his number. He gave it to me. And uh, that was the conversation where I told Dwayne, I said, hey, I'm ready to try to fight. I go, is there any way to start setting it up? And he goes, I'll call you back in a few minutes. And he, he was like, hey, this is Bob. Um, you're going to go meet him out in San Jose, see how you like it. And I was like, all right. And when you say that, that's Bob Cook. That's Bob Cook, right? Bob Cook, yeah. yeah I was yeah. like, a couple weeks later, I was in San Jose. Like, wow, holy cow, man. this is crazy. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, I've seen you post once in a while with those guys, particularly Dwayne, DZ. And I've seen you, you know, he's he's kind of shies away from the spotlight, which he wants it to be all about yeah. his clients. And he's one of the rarities from what I've seen. I used to be in, actually, I used to represent NFL players for a few years. And uh, I've seen a bunch of the agents and managers in the industry. And uh, a lot of them are, are in it for not always the most pure reasons. And uh, DZ seems like the total opposite, man. He cares. It seems like he tries to shy away from the spotlight, wants it to be on you and all the other guys. Talk a little yeah. bit about what those guys have done for you and, and how instrumental they've been in your career. No, I mean, you know, one of the biggest, one of the biggest positives of, of the management team that I have is that I don't see my guys on interviews all the time. They're not on, you know, Bob Cook is known as a fighter and a, and, and a coach, but people don't just recognize him as a manager because he's not on interviews. You know, he's not on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani. He's not on MMA Junkie Radio. He's not on any of these radio shows like publicize himself. And Dwayne right. never does that. Right. I got Bob to do the MMA Hour one time and I had to make him. <laughs> because I had to make him. But these guys are worried about you as a fighter and as a, 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 a you and your business, right? So they've not only helped me with my contract negotiations and everything, but um, they've helped me with uh, starting and all the stuff with my, my two barbershops. They helped me with my three restaurants. It's just everything. Yeah, the whole entire, yeah. Every facet of my financial journey has been tied to these guys, and, and they've only led me in the right direction. So I trust these guys uh, with everything. I mean, Bob was in my wedding, and Dwayne uh, and his wife, Christy, were at a wedding as guests, and, and, and it, weren't, it wasn't that many people invited. No, that's amazing, man. That's so. I think I, I consider these guys friends uh, more than anything else. Yeah, it seems like that. Like a, a extremely close friends, or even a tight knit family that you yeah, guys have there family. at a, at AKA and with this uh, Zinc and Sports team. Um, and speaking of family, talk about you. I know you've got a wife and two kids, and I've got three kids yeah. myself, man. And you know, there's a. I see you, and I see some of these other guys that are tremendous role models in the sport, and then I see a whole different set of guys that don't have the kids and the responsibilities. And talk about how important it is, first off, to have a, a wife that's a, a supportive, especially in the business that you're in. Oh, it's tough. You yeah. know, she, uh, my wife Selena, has to understand a lot of things and and be okay with a lot of things that 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 aren't normal. You know, like. There are times when her husband has to just be gone, you know, and even when I'm in the house for eight weeks, I, I'm still gone, you know, during training camp because I'm in and out. You know, I, I get up in the morning at seven, I train, 
Right. I come back, I go back and I lay down and I probably sleep. And I leave again at 11.30 and I train till 2 o'clock. Get home by 3, rest for a couple hours and I leave again. Yeah. And she has to be okay with that all week long until the weekend where I can give them a Sunday. And she has to be okay with taking care of the kids all day long and doing everything for the kids. And what I have to do is provide a life for them that shows that all the time it, 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 it's worth it and it's for us to advance as a family. Right. So um, it's it's hand come hand go, but the wives and, and, and the partners, they also yearn for the spotlight. Not something that my wife is about that makes uh, makes my job a lot easier. No doubt. Yeah, I'm losing you a little bit, but we'll. Uh, you, you just cut cut in and out. But I think we're all right now. Um, but okay. that yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How long have you guys been together? How long have you guys known each other for? I'm in, in Fresno, California, mm-hmm. uh, uh, with Dwayne, and uh, we've been together since I had one fight. You know, she was there when I was one and zero. That's crazy. I wouldn't even consider myself a real MMA fighter at that point. <laughs> right. And uh, who would have thought, man, what a story you guys have, what a journey you guys have gone on together, huh? Yeah, you know, from day one, she's been, from day one, she's been my source of inspiration. She's been my backbone. She's been like, she's been like my guiding light, you know, and, and for her to be all that she's been to me, and now uh, to... For us to have two beautiful children who are, our kids are, are the light of our world. And um, the way that she raises them, the time that she spends with my children, the energy that she gives them in everything that she does, it's uh, it's, it, it's unmatched. I mean, yeah. again, you know, you, you have to have a great, they always say it, behind every great man is a great woman, but I think... Uh, uh, it's so true, Selena, right? It's so take, true. Yeah, she takes to another level. It's so true, man. That's huge. That's so huge. Um, so, so you, you're, you're, uh, so you ended up going with those guys in 2009, and you got into Strike Force, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. And right uh, I yeah. signed with Strike Force. So you were doing Strike Force. You obviously you were at heavyweight. You won the uh, what was it the Grand Prix they called it or? Yes, I won the heavyweight Grand Prix. Uh, I was an alternate. I wasn't even supposed to be in that tournament. And uh, they had some of the greatest heavyweights the sport has ever seen in there. So yeah. when I was offered to go in there, I was very worried. I didn't know if I was going to be okay. But Bob was never scared. You know, Bob always had undying confidence in me. And uh, we entered that thing and we won it. That's incredible. And how, how long were you in the organization when that when that occurred? I mean, but when I first got into the tournament for Bigfoot Silva, I had been fighting professionally for less than two years that's insane man that's insane wow so you did that you won the the heavyweight and you ultimately got into the ufc was that is that kind of what you had your sights set on once you started getting into this mma thing ufc i think every mixed martial artist Mm -hmm. is uh their ultimate goal is to fight at the highest levels and i was no different you know i wanted to fight the best guys in the world and I fought some of the best in the world in the strike force, but then when Zufa bought strike force, you know, the next step was to go to the UFC. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you separate yourself as one of the better guys in the organization, uh, you're going to get these opportunities. No doubt, man. And then the UFC, man, that's kind of probably when your life really started to, to change. Um, I remember watching you fight, I don't know, back in like 13, 14, 
yeah. when your profile really started raising uh, quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. you were still relatively unknown at that time. I mean, talk about how crazy life is. Like, what what a difference four or five years makes. I mean, how different was your life in 2014 from where it is now? Oh, it's crazy. I mean, we are. <laughs> it's hard to even recognize, you know, where we are today as opposed to where we were uh, five years ago. Not only uh, financially, but in terms of how you're viewed in society, how people view you, how uh, all the things that you've accomplished. It's, it's just a different, totally. Uh, it's crazy. Completely it's different crazy. world. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's a crazy difference. I'm sure it's been a whirlwind for you guys. And then, so you, you, I, I, some of the fights I remember yours just real quick. I, I, some of the fights that really stuck out to me was that Dan Henderson fight where, where you made him look like, a, like a, you know, you look like you were at o- Oklahoma State wrestling a, a, a freshman. No, no offense to Henderson, but that was what, that was wild. Um, the Anthony Johnson fights, the Ozdemir fight was, I, I mean, the Anthony Johnson fights, he didn't even look like he wanted to be there with you. And these guys are all killers, man. I mean, Gustafson was probably one of the best fights I've seen you in, and, and you still won that one. Um, you've had just an amazing, amazing accomplishments. And then, obviously, this is all at 205, right? You were fighting UFC pretty much 205. Yes, I was. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to share the octagon with some of the best uh, fighters the world has ever seen and I'm excited that I got those opportunities and I will continue to get those opportunities going forward. Um, I've just been blessed, man. Yeah. I've been blessed and I've been very lucky over the course of my career. Well, you've been a hard worker, man. You've been doing it since you were 10, 11 years old. You were working hard and you just, you always been the epitome of, uh, obviously I don't know you personally, but watching you from afar, you've been the epitome of hard work and dedication, sacrifice, uh, it, it really shows. And then on top of that, not only are you been a, a tremendous brand ambassador for MMA, um, you ended up going into this this whole other thing with the Fox analysts and the the pay per view. How, how did that? Yeah. Did, did Dwayne and those guys help you? And and how did that come about? Well, it started with uh, this guy named Zach Candido. Uh, we went to. Uh, I started talking to him. Um, he became kind of a buddy of mine, and then. Um, his uh, mentor, kind of Kieran Porter, kept saying, I've got this guy, Daniel Cormier, who I think will be really good at it. And uh, once he gave me a shot, he thought, you know what? He is pretty good at it. Let me give him a chance. And once he did, once he gave me a chance, uh, I continued to get more and more comfortable. And they, they mm-hmm. liked my work. And I'm lucky to be doing it more consistently now. Yeah, I'll tell you, man, one of my favorite moments was your uh, pay-per-view with those guys with uh, the Thug Rose moment. <laughs> that Doug is Rose, that's one of the funnest ones that we've had. That is all. You, dude, you're really natural at that too. I mean, you do a phenomenal job. So, you know, thank you. Continued, uh, continued success on on that end. And I, I know we've uh, we've got a little bit of time left. So, uh, I want to get to, uh, I want to get to uh, what's coming up for you. Obviously, uh, in the next few weeks, you've got the big fight with. You know, I'm here in Cleveland, so yeah. you're fighting our boy over here. Yeah, I am. Talk. You know, it's, uh, he's- yeah. He's a tremendous champion. You know, I spent some time in Cleveland with him for a TV show I did boxing. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's an amazing guy, you know. So uh, it's a big challenge, but I really look forward to it. I'm excited about it. Um, 
I think it'll. I, I'm, I'm excited about the matchup. Excited about the opportunity to compete once against uh, what many people consider the greatest heavyweight of all time. Right. And where, what did you? Where when you came to Cleveland? I remember seeing some of that. Where did you got? Where did you go? Any anywhere in particular here that stuck out? Yeah, you know, we went to the uh, the Indians Field. We went to the the Q. Nice. We went to the fire station, uh, and and we went to. Uh, we walked the parade route that, that Stipe was on with the Cavs after they became the world champs. So I got to see some pretty cool spots in the city of Cleveland. Nice, man. Nice. Yeah, you know what? I think July 7th for the sport, UFC, for the the entire MMA sport, I mean, it is such a tremendous – to have you and Stipe going at it. I mean, what's nice about it, too, is that you guys have that admiration and respect for each other. So often you see these guys that, you know, hate each other. It, with you two, it's just two brand ambassadors, two good family guys that are just going to go out and compete and then probably hug and shake hands and go out for a beer afterward. That, that's what it seems like to me. I'm excited about the opportunity, man. I'm pumped. Yeah. So, so okay, so the July 7th, you got it. It's a huge week. It's International Fight Week. Um Regardless, so then I mean I know that this is getting closer to the you're on the you're on the closer end to the end of this fighting career. Um, what do you see for your short term goals after this fight, and maybe even long term? Where do you see your career going? I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I know that um, by the end of, of uh, you know my time March comes, you know it'll be time to hang it up. You know, but um, as of right now, I'm going to. Uh, just do what what I do, you know. Fight, take this fight, uh, and go on to the next one, and and see what happens. You know, I'm not, I'm not at a point where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna retire if I win this fight, or right. if I don't win this fight, you know, I'm kind of just like, hey, let's go do my thing and, and see what happens. And see what happens from there. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, man, I think it's uh, it's amazing what you've done in the sport, man. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. Uh, love the hard work, the sacrifice. Uh, all those things. I don't see anyone left at you for 205. You basically ran through that whole division. So I'm happy to see you get in this super fight. Um, and uh, continued success to you, man. And appreciate uh, Dwayne and everyone else that's helped out. And really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much, my man. All right, man. The Optimal Life. And thank you for listening to a, another episode of The Optimal Life. Really appreciate the support. And uh, if you guys enjoy what you're listening to and enjoy what you're hearing, as always, please click subscribe and give us the five-star rating so we can continue to elevate the podcast within Apple Podcasts and everywhere else that the podcast is played and provided. And uh, leave us a comment. Leave us feedback. You could, uh, we're always open to feedback, whether it's positive or negative. So, uh, you know, we want to do whatever we can to improve the show. And if there's something that we're missing, then let us know. You could reach me also on Instagram at Nathan Haber. And uh, again, I know that you have a lot of listening options these days. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of people sharing different things. So if you are listening to this podcast and if you're a loyal listener to this podcast, from the bottom of my heart, I want to just say thank you. Uh, very grateful for that. And uh, we're going to continue providing you guys with the best content possible so that we can continue to live an optimal life and be our optimal and best selves. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.